All right, how's that? Beautiful, we are good. Thank you to our tech crew, you do an awesome job. That's, um, I would have no idea what to do. There's so many buttons and stuff. I think it's an incredible job that you all do, so thank you very much. And glad you've got a plan B, because I wouldn't have, I would have just yelled. Um, well, look, okay, I was just saying, Gordon, Gordon spoke last week, and we're building on that idea tonight. So he looked at God gives us plans, he gives us his ideas, and it's us joining him, him on that. And tonight we're exploring and building on the idea of, well, what if the thing that God calls us to do is weird or daunting? What if the thing that he calls us to do or wants us to step into is huge, uncertain, out of our comfort zone? What if it's different to our expectations or to the expectations of the people around us? What do we do in those particular moments? So I had something like this start off about six years ago. So in the week before my dad died, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to take note of what grief is like. That's all he said. No other explanation, no other details, just take note. So I did. So I grabbed a notebook and another one and I apologized to the trees. I ended up filling about eight really thick notebooks, just full of notes of things that I felt, things that I saw and experienced. I had no idea why, I just did that. And I did that for about a year. After that time, the Spirit then came back and I felt the Spirit say to me, all right, now collect everything you've written together. Again, that was it. No other info, no details, just collect. So I jumped on the computer, collect things into themes or headings. I was like, I don't know what I'm collecting and I don't know why, but I just, the Spirit said it, so I'll follow suit and we'll see what happens. A few months after that, I felt the Holy Spirit um, prompt me to go to a writer's workshop that was happening in town. Now, I wasn't a writer, I wasn't looking to do anything, but I felt the Spirit said go, so I'm like, let's just go, probably just for fun and see what it's all about. And when we got there, when I, when I got there, I was sitting in a circle and there's about 20 people around. And the facilitator of the workshop rocks up and goes, right, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to go around and everyone's going to say their name and I want to know what writing project you've work, you're working on and how far into it you, you've got. And I just froze, because I'm like, oh, I'm not a writer. I don't have a project. How far have I got into it? Well, zilt. Like, I haven't, I haven't, I'm not doing anything, and I had no idea what to say. And as a few people started to share, I felt the Spirit say to me, you're going to write a book on grief. I, what? Sorry? <laughs> I'm going to what? I'm going to write a book on grief. Yes, I want you to write a book on grief, and I want you to tell the group. But I'm not a writer. I've, I have never written a book, I have no idea how to write a book, I don't have the skills or the knowledge or the understanding to do this, I don't know what you're talking about. And the Spirit said, that's alright, you'll figure it out, tell them you're going to write a book. What do we do in moments like that? When God asks us to do something completely out of the blue, or something completely out of our depth, something that requires us stepping into the unknown, well, that's what our chapter or our passage tonight is going to look at. What do we do in those moments? So if you'd like to follow along, feel free to open up to John, um, Joshua chapter 6. We'll also put the words up on the screen for you. And we'll be looking at the first um, 8 to 10 verses. So Joshua chapter 1. Uh, Joshua chapter 6, sorry, starting at verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one went in. And no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and fighting men. 
March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have the seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times and with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. Just your usual thing for God to ask. <laughs> and what does Joshua do? Well, so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. And jumping ahead to verse 10. But Joshua commanded the army, don't give a war cry. Don't raise your voices. Don't say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. That's our passage. It's weird. It's weird. Like God, so God, what we have here today is we've got God asking Joshua and the Israelites to take a step into something new and to go about it in a very new way. And this idea of stepping into something new is a really big theme so far in the book of Joshua. So we've covered five chapters so far in our series. And there's this Jewish root word, burr, or brr. Choose either one. I go burr, I think probably because I was preparing this during the rainiest times, but it can be pronounced either way. But in terms of what burr means, it's, 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 um, it's been in the first five chapters 31 times. And it means to step into, or to cross over, or to go from here to there. So an example of this is in chapter, we've already covered it, we've looked at it in, chap in chapter 3, when the Israelites were entering the promised land, and they had to dip their toes into the water of the Jordan before the Jordan moved. That was the word, burr, to step into. And God is often asking his people to burr to step into something new, into a new way of living or a new way of thinking. And to sometimes to get us moving in that way, he often asks us to do something that can seem pretty weird or difficult or new. And so in tonight's passage, that's exactly what we see. He uses these words multiple times in our passage, that burr. But he says to the Israelites, I want you to burr. I want you to go and do laps of Jericho for seven days. Just walk around it. You know, just, just get your steps in for the day. I want you to blow some trumpets at the same time. Just a few of you, though. Everyone else needs to stay dead quiet. And then on day seven, really push the cardio and do seven laps. Then you can scream, and then the walls will fall down, and that should do the trick. On surface level, that is one of the weirdest battle plans, I think, in the history of battles. It's weird. It is foolish. And yet, this is exactly what God asks his people to do. And I love the way, there's, there's an author called Mark Batterson, and I love the way he describes this moment of the passage. He says that at times, in terms of faith, in terms of that following Jesus or following what God has called us to do, he says, faith is the willingness to look foolish. And we see this so much in the Bible. You know, we, we see Noah building an ark in a very dry desert. It took him 150 years. We see Sarah wearing maternity clothes at age 90. We see David taking on a giant with a slingshot. 
We see wise men following a star. We see a whole country walking laps around Jericho. Like these are weird things. Like, and God has asked and prompted people to do these things, things that often seem weird or foolish. And, and later in the Bible, um, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians why he asks or why God often calls us to do something that can at first appear foolish. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 to 29 says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise so that no one may boast before him so that we can recognize that any progress or victory is done by God, not us. So that our focus shifts from ourselves and our actions and more onto the goodness and greatness of the God we're stepping into it with. And that's what our passage is talking about tonight in verse 2. God says to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I, along with its king and its fighting men, this good and faithful God is saying, focus on me and on what I've already done. Trust me. Don't focus on what people would usually focus on. That fact of whether am I too young or too old. I'm probably too young or too old to do this. In fact, I'm probably inexperienced or I could look really, really dumb doing this. All the things we usually focus on, which is we question, will it even work out or not? Or why has God asked me to do this? Like, I don't actually know why he wants it done this way. This good God is saying, focus on me. Trust me. I'm the one who's going to make this happen. God, I believe that God's saying to Joshua in our passage tonight, he's like, focus less on the weirdness and difficulty of the step because it's pretty weird to do 13 laps around a city, blow some horns, and then it drops. He's like, focus less on that and focus more on the God who you're stepping into it with. Trust the goodness, less the weirdness. And I think this is why Joshua is so quick to be able to run to the Israelites and tell them, yeah, this is actually what we're going to do. Get set up. We're going today. Because Joshua's focus was on how good his God was. He'd already seen the track record of this God, and he trusted that this God would be good again for him. His confidence comes not from himself, but from God's goodness and power. And I believe that that God is encouraging us through tonight's passage to do the same. None of us are starting from scratch with Christ. We're continuing to move on in what we know about him, about the goodness and greatness of our God. And he's saying whatever helps us to shift our focus onto him, and for all of us, that's going to be different things. It might be through reading scripture, might be through music we listen to, conversations we have with really good mates or a good mentor might be chatting um, chatting with others walking in the hills I know some people knitting is where they meet God best it's right some people it's journaling and writing down like where has God been good and building that culture of gratitude it doesn't matter how you do it but it's this passage I think is encouraging us continue to do those things that shift our focus off the bigness of the problem or the thing we're facing and onto the bigness and goodness of the God we're walking into it with. And this is a really important skill that I think we all grow and develop in as we follow Jesus. And it's important because it doesn't just help us to step into something brand new when he calls us to do it. It also helps us to step, keep stepping when the thing he's called us into requires patience and faithfulness or that persistence. 
Because some things he calls us into aren't very quick. So even in tonight's passage, it's not a fast thing. It's not do one lap, yell, done, win. It's do it for seven days. Now, I don't know if you've tried to control or lead a group of people before, but this army of Israel, Numbers tells us, it was over 600,000 people strong. So 600,000 people who are geared up, ready to fight, have to walk silently for seven days. Phil Nippris and I can't even get through a church service without talking about football, and I'm really glad. I love the score updates. (laughs) But I can't imagine us walking for seven days and not uttering a single word. Like the incredible patience and faithfulness and persistence of Joshua and this army is quite remarkable. Often we're called to do things that don't happen quick. They sometimes last weeks and months and years. Continuing that story that I started the sermon with, that writer's workshop I was sitting at, it came around to my turn and I went, spirits told me to do something, I'm going to give it a crack. So with about all the confidence I had, which at that time was about the confidence of a newborn lamb, it's like, hi, I'm Dave. I think I'm, about, I think I'm starting to write a book on grief. And the facilitator was like, great, how much have you done? I'm like, that was my first bit. I had no idea, but I jumped into it. I was like, I'm going to do it. God's called me to do it. That moment happened about four years ago. And that's what I've got to show for it. So the first two versions of the book that I wrote just weren't any good. I knew very little about creative writing and it showed. My next two versions of the book weren't good enough. Improvements, but how many times can you polish a turd? Like, it's not good enough. And it got to last year, at the start of 2022, and I fell into an absolute heap with it. I lost all, I lost all motivation and momentum in the project. I, I, the doubt took over. That sense of, can you do this? The answer was, you can't. And that weighed on me. And I, gave, I didn't give up the project, but I put it aside for almost all of last year. I had no idea what to do with it. Utterly lost for me, you know, if, we look at, if we're talking about the, the image of today's passage, the walls were still up. I'd done my laps. <laughs> Nothing was working. And I wonder if anyone else has felt the same thing. You know, God calls you to do something and you step into it with a lot of that new energy and momentum. Like, yeah, spirit wants me to do whatever. I was doing this and now he wants me to do this. And we run into it and it's awesome. And then it falls flat because it doesn't work straight away. Or sometimes it's not just straight away, but months and years later. I don't know if anyone else has felt that. You've been on lap four or 904 of Jericho, and the walls are still there. Like, it sucks. It actually really sucks. It hurts. It deflates. You're crushed. People try and give you a pep talk, and you just sit there, and you just want to cry. I don't know if anyone else has felt similarly, either recently or in the past. But you fill up with doubt, you lose all momentum, you feel lost, and it'd be so, so much easier if we could just give it up. To me, this is a really normal and healthy part of faith. And I think the more we acknowledge it, the more it becomes normal. And the more we realize that probably we've all experienced it, 
And usually there's a lot more people in the room who are experiencing it when we start to call it out or just admit it. It's a really difficult but common place as well that many of us find ourselves in. We take those initial burrs, those steps into something and it doesn't happen the way we think it will. And it's hard and we don't see the walls crumble down. I think it's important that we, we talk about that more often, you know, with our friends, in our small groups, in our, you know, here in church. Because when we have the honesty to go, it's actually really hard and we often give up hope and feel lost, it then also creates the space to then go, so what do we do when we are in those moments? Because they happen. One of the things that I'm finding really encouraging is this picture of a plant. So this is a plant from Japan and it's called Moso Bamboo. Moso Bamboo is incredible. It is ridiculously tall. It is, it just, it is just it's amazing. And often there's like whole forests or fields of this. It's amazing. You've probably seen it in some movies as well. Um, I think I saw one. It was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and people were swaying through the bamboo. It was this amazing scene, and I was just like, I want that. Or I just, what is it? It's incredible. But what we see here is the after. When a piece of this bamboo is first planted, this is what we see for the first five years. Nothing. Zilch. Nada. Or if we want Aranda, Arangua, nothing. There's no visible growth. There is nothing sprouting above the surface for five years. You think, we think nothing is happening. It's absolutely wasted effort. But when watered and nurtured and maintained for that five years, it grows at a rate. So when it finally, after five years, it starts to sprout the surface, it grows at two feet a day. It's up to about here every day. And then the next day, up there. And then, boom, 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 bigger. Until it grows to about 90 feet tall. So that's taller than that shiny Supreme Court building in town. Taller than that. And twice as tall as the walls of Jericho. This stuff is a beast. But for five years, And then we get that. And I think many of the things that God calls us into require significant persistence and patience and faithfulness. And they often look and feel like nothing is happening. And sometimes there actually isn't anything happening. Most of the time, though, there is something going on. We just don't see the fruit or the result or the walls crash yet. And one of the things, it's, is not only is this a, a common experience, I think, for most people in faith, but it's also the very experience of the God we follow. Like this is exactly what happened with Jesus. Like, I love the fact that Jesus knows what it's like to step into something weird or daunting. Jesus knows what it's like to have to show patience and persistence over a long period of time. Because listen to the calling he was asked to step into by the Father. So Jesus, I want you to go and be human it's just a little bit below your current pay grade of co-creator and Lord of the universe. You're going to start off as two tiny cells just sitting in a womb for nine months. Then when you're born, you're going to need, you can remember, you're God, but you're going to need someone to feed you, to wipe your bum, and to keep you alive. Then for 30 years, you're just going to live and learn and work as part of your community. 
just being playing a very quiet part in a very quiet remote desert town. Then you're going to go and collect a really crack team of outcasts, including one who's going to stab you in the back. And you're going to go and kick off the kingdom of God that way, one interaction at a time. And please, break lots of social norms as you go. The way you're going to live, you're going to offend most religious and powerful people. And so they're going to taunt you and beat you and murder you. And they're not going to do it the quickest way. They're going to do it with the worst and most brutal design that they have come up with thus far on the planet. And you're going to forgive them with one of your final breaths, making sure that the last thing that they hear from you is compassion and love. You'll then stay dead for three days. So again, you thought nine, nine months in the womb, just sitting there, now just sit for three days, just lie there for three days, be dead. But then overcome death and do big things like eat fish and bread. Go for walks with your mates in the hills and meet them on beaches. Just chat. Then come back to heaven and you're going to tag team with the spirit for a while. And then at some point further down the track, you'll go back and you'll complete the complete renewal of heaven and earth. What do you reckon? Like, that's got to be one of the weirdest plans ever. Like, Jesus knows what it's like to be asked to do something that sounds incredibly scary. Hey, go and die. Go and be something so ridiculously lower than you've ever been. It's also, wait a long time to do it. It's not going to happen quick. You're going to actually have to put decades of persistence and faithfulness into this. Jesus gets it. When we are sitting in the difficulty of our own faith, we worship and follow the one who gets it better than anyone because he has done it himself. And I love the fact that whether we're on lap one or four or 904 of our walk around Jericho, we walk with the one who's already been there himself. We walk with the one who knows what it's like to have to show that persistence and patience. Like he is not sending us or calling us to do something he has not done himself. And he also encourages us and empowers us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And he's like, I know what you will need for that next burr, for that next step, whatever it is. You've already got it. Go with me. And so I think as we wrap up our passage tonight, we just want to spend the last couple minutes listening to what God might be saying to each of us tonight through this passage. And there's just two things. And the first one is, what is God asking me to step into? So we're a pretty diverse bunch, so I doubt all of us or any of us will have the same answer. And that's good. But it might be he wants you to kickstart something different. Maybe something that's very much out of your comfort zone. What's the Holy Spirit saying? It may be he's saying he wants you to stay somewhere or in some relationship or in some interaction. He may be saying he wants you to get out of it, to leave it. Does he want you to step into something that is huge and big? Does he want you to step into something quite small and below your pay grade? Is he asking you to faithfully continue with something that he called you into a long time ago? He just wants you to keep going to faithfully trust that it will come through, the bamboo will grow. Or maybe you haven't followed Jesus before. 
And maybe the Spirit is, you can feel it, the Spirit is saying, hey, come and follow me. Take that step. Give your heart to me. What is that thing that God is asking you to step into tonight? And as we step into that, whatever it is that the Spirit's called us into, how can I shift my focus onto the good God who I'm stepping into it with? Because whatever God calls us to step into, we step into it with that good and faithful God. He, we step into it with a good and powerful God who can make anything happen. Walls to crumble, bamboo to shoot up, books to eventually be written, new things to be started, and really good things to be continued with. We do everything for and with our good, powerful God. So we're just going to sit for a minute listening to what the Spirit's saying to each of us. And if he's wanting a response in any way, my encouragement is take that burr, take that step. So we're going to take a minute. After that, I'll pray, and then our musos will jump up for a final song. So let's spend a minute with the Spirit. Dear Father, you are such a good God. And you very rarely leave us where we are. You're often asking us to take another step of some sort, sometimes in the exact same direction for a very, very long time, sometimes a completely new step in a completely new way. But God, you, when you ask us to step with you, it's always with you. It's never alone. It's always with the God who knows what we need, knows how we're feeling. And God, we thank you for that. Thank you that the God who asks us to do something is so good. Father, whatever you've asked each of us to step into, help us to respond yes. Help us to listen and with courage, Lord, to step with you to trust that you know what you're doing and to trust that what you want us to step into is for good, whether we can see the walls fall or not. God, our focus, our heart, help it to be on you 
and to trust that the next step is worth taking. Pray all this in your name. Amen.